Welcome to season two of Unstoppable Minds, a University of Florida podcast that looks at the big challenges we face in the world and how members of the UF community boldly tackle them. I'm Dr. Kyla McMullen, an assistant professor of computer and information science and engineering at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And I'm Dr. Jeremy Waysom, a lecturer in the engineering education department in the Herbert Wertheim College of Engineering. Big discoveries don't happen without overcoming formidable challenges. So we're sitting down with some of our colleagues at UF who are leading the way in identifying creative solutions in research, student success, and academic exploration in their unstoppable quest for knowledge. Today we have Dr. Michael Bowie, a clinical assistant professor and the director of community engagement and diversity outreach at the University of Florida's College of Veterinary Medicine. <laughs> okay, Dr. Bowie. Let's start off by talking about the lack of representation of African-Americans in the field of veterinary medicine. What are some of the steps that you're taking that are impacting the pipeline of underrepresented students in this discipline? Well, one of the things that's quite important in the college, well, excuse me, in the field of veterinary medicine is that people need to understand that um, the the industry, the, the pet industry, the animal industry is huge. And um, the people who own pets are from diverse backgrounds. And so when they take their pets to a veterinarian, they want to see people who look like them. And so with veterinary medicine um, being identified as um, one of the whitest professions in the United States, it is imperative that we change the population of veterinarians in the United States. We're talking about less than 3% of the population are African-American in veterinary medicine and around 93% are white. And so that's not a very good number when you look at the overall numbers in, in the United States. And so the College of Veterinary Medicine here at the University of Florida is taking steps to do that. We as the... Um, members of the College of Veterinary Medicine here, as well as colleges of veterinary medicine across the country, have been discussing, you know, the lack of diversity in veterinary medicine and have taken steps to increase, you know, the numbers. However, we do know that one of the things that we have to do is deal with the pipeline. We do know that at a very young age, kids may be interested in veterinary medicine if they're exposed to the field. What are your first memories of being exposed to animals? I myself watched Jacques Cousteau and Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom, and those were things that got me excited about animals. Would I have jumped in the water? Yes. However, sometimes you don't know what you see there. So <laughs> you, know, um, you might come across something that you might not be able to get away from. Um, yeah. that, that's me from my point of view as a, <laughs> as a, as a child growing up in Washington, D.C., However, um, I think that that exposure, the excitement of knowing something or seeing something different than yourself is, is interesting. Either you find that young kids are either are attracted to animals or they are um, afraid of them. And a lot of that has to deal with the interaction that, you know, elders might have with it or some type of e some type of event that might have occurred. You may they might have been bit by a dog or scratched by a cat or something like that. And so they develop fears based on that. And if somebody is not there to help them deal with that particular issue, then it could impact them. But that's that's not race driven. That's just 
that's just a, a fact of life. I, I have a question related to what you're saying right now. So I grew up in a predominantly white community, and so it was really common for people to take their pets to the vet, right, and have them cared for in that way. But I have a lot of friends who've said, we wouldn't take our pet to a vet, you know, if there was an issue. And that's just how they grew up, right? Like if if the animal had an issue, they couldn't afford to address it or, you know, they didn't know any better to take the animal to um, get health care. So is that is that maybe something that contributes to this problem as well? Is... Well, you hit something right on the nose. You talked about healthcare. So when we talk about the disparities in healthcare, human healthcare, we're going to see those very same characteristics in mm-hmm. animal healthcare. So if somebody's not going to go to the hospital to do their annual checkup, then if they see something happening to their pet, they're less likely to take them to, you know, the veterinarian, they may say, oh, well, you know, that's something and maybe they'll heal from that process, yeah. just like I can heal from, you know, a process. If I if I fall and hurt my leg, you know, after a while, I'll shake it off and, you know, things will be fine. So they'll equate that, you know, in the same way to mm-hmm. their pet. And and so you're absolutely right. That does happen. But a lo- oftentimes that's also associated with the lack of visibility. So if you don't mm. see a doctor that looks like you in, in your community or a doctor who cares about you, it's almost like yep. the same concept with police officers. If you don't see somebody in your community from a particular profession, you don't see yourself becoming a part of that particular profession. That makes sense. I think that's what we see here. And so... We do know that, like I said, individuals at a very young age are quite interested in veterinary medicine. We know that around middle school age, they they tend to move a little bit away from that. And some of that has to deal with family. Some of that has to deal with, you know, different exposures. Some family members say, well, if you're going to go into medicine, why not go in? I mean, if you're going to go into the health profession, why not go into (laughs) medicine? Why not go into dentistry? Why go into veterinary medicine? Mm -hmm. So that that happens a lot. So Mm -hmm. that has an impact on the veterinary profession, um, especially the diversity in the veterinary profession. You 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 see that some people see it as do- I mean cattle and sheep and goats and so <laughs> because from the community we don't see ourselves working with cows and and horses and sheep and go- and sheep excuse me and goats then we don't um, see veterinary medicine as the profession for us and so yeah. those kinds of things uh, move people away from the profession as they get older. Our goal is to keep them you know, excited about the field of veterinary medicine. You know, last year, um, we we have a program called Gator Vet Camp, and we bring high school students here during the summertime, approximately 20 high school students per week for a residential program. You know, seeing those students come and interact and engage with um, the veterinarians, engage with the, um, the, the, the DVM students who participate as our counselors, but also take part in the clinical skills lab and learn how to provide shots, handle the um, animals that we, we, we give them an opportunity to handle, go out and see the various areas that veterinarians work in, um, going down to um, uh, look at animals in the area of um, aquatic medicine, mm-hmm. going out to look at wildlife and zoo med in, in, in the areas um, um, 
like um, the White Oak, where they have over 60 rhinos out there. Oh, wow. and, and And having an opportunity to feed giraffe and you know just mm -hmm. just those wow moments you know um i think are are so important but it's also important for us to keep reaching down lower and lower you know middle school and elementary school mm -hmm. and giving them those experiences and so we're developing programs that do that as early as possible i had the experience of getting that kind of exposure as a young child myself so i know when i was in middle school I was super inquisitive. I still am. <laughs> but my mom wanted me to try to try to help figure out what I was passionate about. Um, and so I got to go to a veterinary camp at Tuskegee University. And I gave a cow a shot. That's pretty much my claim to fame in terms of <laughs> my experience with uh, veterinary medicine. But it also helped me realize I couldn't do it, right? Like, I, I don't think that a lot of people really think about what it means to be in veterinary medicine and how how it's really similar to medicine period right like you're going to be dealing with bodily fluids and illnesses and things and you know i i don't think i ever really had that idea when I was thinking about it. Exactly. But isn't that the importance of exposure? And so that's what you're talking about is that exposure is so important. I, you know, you hear everyone's, I mean, people talk about they want to do this. Imagine saying that you want to be a doctor and you spend all this time studying and then you walk in that room and that cadaver is right there and then you fall out. Nope. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, you spend all your time studying, you know, the earlier you can get exposure to this, the earlier you'll know that this is what you want to do. And mm -hmm, I think that's yeah. that's so important for us to provide exposure and opportunities. So you mentioned you mentioned that exposure was one of the reasons why and like having bad experiences with um, animals, maybe reasons why people don't go into it. But can you talk a bit about what do the demographics look like? We're talking about less than three percent of the population are are. African-American in, in veterinary medicine and around 93% wow. are, uh, are white. And so, I mean, even with, you know, a, a school like Tuskegee um, University, which is a historically black college uh, or historically black university um, that is uh, producing a large number of black, you know, veterinarians, it is still not meeting the numbers um, that we need. So um, in order for us to, you know, ensure that the the communities that are continuously growing in the United States are being served, to be honest with you. And so how do we go into a community like Gainesville, where when you hit Main Street, there are no vet hospitals east of Main Street? Mm. Well, East of Main Street is primarily a predominantly African-American community. Um, and so if you take a look at East Gainesville and you talk about the fact that there are no veterinary hospitals over there, then we get back to what you talked about before, where they're less likely to take their dog or cat or any whatever type of pet they might have to a veterinarian, you know, mm. and it's not just about the health of those animals, but it also has an impact on, on family health or, or, or the household health because, you know, um, there are 
small little uh, things that can be potentially transmitted between animals and humans that most people don't realize. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are, are, are so important that is interesting. Um, for people to understand. Yeah. Pets are so important to, to, to families, to be honest with you. And I know families in in the black community who where the pet is family. Oh, she, you know, and I was just so, about to say she's yeah. family. My dog Gracie is family. Yes. And I have a dog niece named Ella and she is such a person. <laughs> so I, I definitely identify with that one hundred percent. I mean, she helped me get through my my dissertation phase of my PhD. And I don't know <laughs> if I would have made it through without her, honestly. That's right. And so neglecting that population of veterinarians but they're not they're not diverse enough mm -hmm. you know means that you're also dealing with the fact of finances everything you're mm -hmm. neglecting the potential there and so i think that what's extremely important is ensuring that you have diverse individuals who are diverse veterinarians plays a a, a key role in how you provide the necessary health care are you going out in the community and kind of sharing with them the benefits of veterinary medicine. Yes, we are. And and mm -hmm. so yes, we and we have a community outreach component and engagement component that goes out to the community and talk and, and we talk about the field of veterinary medicine and the health components of that. So the fact that University of Florida has recognized like this huge disparity in this field and provided resources, like you're the director of, you know, diversity outreach, community engagement. Does this uh, position exist at other schools? Is this something that's unique? So the difference here is that a lot of institutions, so we have two. So we have mm -hmm. a diversity, a, a diversity officer. Mm -hmm. And then this office, which was is specifically focused on the pipeline building component, mm -hmm. as well as community engagement. Okay. So that's what's so unique. So a lot of people may have a diversity office, but this one is separate from that. Now, I happen to be also the acting diversity officer because the diversity officer left. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and so, you know, until we do a search for a diversity officer, I'm the acting diversity officer, but I still also run the community engagement and diversity outreach components of the college itself. So, um, and I, I've enjoyed it. This has been, this is year <laughs> three. So in, 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 in this period of time, we have, of course, the Gator Vet Camp, and we did our third year this year. This year, we did it in a virtual format. Oh, wow. And it was <laughs> so cool. Like, doing things in a virtual format, you have to think outside the box because you can't bring the students here for, like, a, a residence, a, mm -hmm. a, a residential-type um, camp. And so what I will say is the faculty really stepped up to the plate, and we were able to provide information on surgery and radiology in a virtual format. We sent kits and they were able to do suturing and learn how to do suturing. And they had suturing kits and they were able to practice that. Um, they were able to go in behind the scenes. We couldn't take 20 kids into an operating room. Yeah. But you could take, I mean, put a, a faculty member in large animal medicine, could take her camera into there into the operating room and be able to show them and talk to them about what was going on. Mm -hmm. So those students had an ex they had exposure to something that they would not have had exposure had they just been here for the camp. Right. So it was a great opportunity 
And we're looking at how we do that again this year, this mm -hmm. upcoming year. We're also looking at how we can do it possibly in Spanish as well so that we can reach out to places like Puerto Rico. That's amazing. And do a presentation there as well. I love that. So um, kind of going back to our conversation about Tuskegee and really the need to diversify the field, are you establishing any programs with historically black colleges or universities to create like a feeder program, for example? Yes. In fact, um, we are doing some uh, um, MOUs at this particular time. What's an MOU? A Memorandum <laughs> of Understanding. A Memorandum of Understanding with um, North Carolina A&T. Great. And Alabama A&M. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. And we have an articulation agreement with Florida A&M University. Okay. In addition to that, we are doing a memorandum of understanding with um, Tuskegee University. Now, people will say, well, what are you doing a memorandum of understanding with uh, Tuskegee University? Mm -hmm. So we talked about the veterinary medicine and, and what, we're, what we are looking for in reference to that and the DVM students. Well, the DVM students, we want to make sure that we increase the number of black students um, that are coming to the, into the profession. And so that's the DVM, the, the actual professional program itself. But we also want to make sure that we increase the number of faculty members in the field of veterinary medicine. And there are two ways that you do that. One is through those who end up getting a PhD and doing research and they join in that particular way. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other way is for those who go through a residency program. So mm -hmm. they go through a residency program, they become board certified, and then they join the faculty in that particular route. Think about it that particular way. So you're looking at, you know, someone who might have gone to vet school, they, they finish their degree, and you're saying to them, okay, you got to go another four years to do your PhD, four to four plus years <laughs> to do your PhD on top of that, when you've already gotten, uh, you've already graduated with your DVM and you may have some loans out there mm -hmm. that you have to you, um, pay off. And so, you know, many of us, when we graduate, you know, we're thinking about those loans. We're thinking about family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've done four years. We're going out there and we're going to go, we're going to start, you know, practicing as far as that is concerned. So mm -hmm. that's going to be one of the things that people will think about. The second side to it all is the residency program. And the residency mm -hmm. program means you become board certified in surgery. You can become board certified in wildlife and zoo medicine. So all the things that you think about in residency as when you think about medicine, all uh, many of those areas are also in veterinary medicine. So anesthesiology, all of the areas that you might think about. And so one would have to go through a residency program in those particular areas. We're wanting to increase the number of Blacks going through those residency programs. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're doing it with Tuskegee, because we can, while those students are doing their DVM, they can come to UF for externships. That is like a two or three week opportunity to come in and work with faculty in those particular areas, get some experiences here. And then if they say, I want to come here for an internship or residency, then they can apply for those internship and residency programs because they know we have them. That's great. So you mentioned a few interventions that UF has going on. Can you tell us about a few more to solve this diversity problem in veterinary medicine? I mentioned the fact of 
let me just deal with the K through 12 mm-hmm. first. So we have a program called This Is How We Roll. And This Is How We Roll is something where we work with the K through fourth grade uh, students. And basically we engage them in veterinary medicine, but we use um, interactive ways. It's fun. There's coloring. There's <laughs> activities, animal type activities, but it's it's all done in a classroom. You know, we have vet students who serve as the mentors and the individuals who help them through that overall process. And so the kids have a wonderful time participating in This Is How We Roll. And it is it inspires them to become veterinarians. And so we do, we have programs at uh, Girls Place and we have programs at Caring and Sharing Learning School. So this is our second year. And so... Uh, we've been very excited about that program, and um, it has been, you know, definitely um, a feather in our cap. And I will tell you that um, we also have uh, the the Vet Smart program, and that was we received a, a grant from the United States Department of Agriculture, USDA, um, to have a mentoring program where our faculty members have agreed to mentor. Um, kid, uh, high school students, underrepresented high school students in Alachua County. And each one will be matched with a student from the high school and they will, during their breaks, shadow them in the vet clinic. And throughout the year, um, the, the veterinarians and the DVM students will go to those schools and actually do show and tales with those students throughout the year. And so, um, it is a great opportunity to, again, um, expose them to the field of veterinary medicine. So we are very excited about that. Um, the newest thing that I'm working on right now is really trying to do some things on the east side and making that the, the connection of veterinary medicine to the people on the east side, i.e. I'm talking about why you provide um your, your dog with um, pills for worm, you know, um, and, and why it's important uh, for them to um, take the, the, the necessary medication mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And so, you know, showing uh, the, the heart of a, a, a dog that has not been given the proper medication really will show, it is not the most beautiful picture <laughs> to show, but that little moment for the kids mm-hmm. <laughs> really is, you know, they like those gross things. Let's just be honest with you. They really enjoy those um, gross scenes. And but it also says to them when they go home, they're saying, did we give our dog their, their pill? <laughs> you know, they really they're really into it because they really understand the impact. And, and it so, sticks with them, probably, you know, being grossed out. That's probably something like that's at the forefront of their minds. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And so um, making sure that we educate them in the community about that is so important. And then making the connection between that and these other hospitals in Gainesville will be a way in which we can still do our community outreach while not looking as though we're being competitive with the local vet hospitals. So since the University of Florida has lots of these initiatives, do you have any fun success stories of students who participated in the program? Yeah, so as you know, we're in our, just our third year, so we have not seen some of the 
the the the overall outcomes of the program, i.e., individuals who might have entered into you know our, the College of Veterinary Medicine. However, um, last year we had t- two twins. Well, was two twins? How who says two twins? We had <laughs> twins um, that had attended programs at Auburn, Tuskegee, UGA, and then this year, that year they they went to the University of Florida's program. Well, they loved our program and they <laughs> they they um actually rated it the best. Wow. And afterwards, um their mom continued to reach out to me and was just was talking about how excited they were about what they learned in the program that we had here. Um they decided um they did get accepted to UF for uh, for their undergraduate program. However, they attended Yale. Because they got accepted at Yale, but they want to come to the University of Florida for vet school. I love that. That's a great story. um, And so for me, that's exciting. And we're going to look at ways in which we can engage them during the summertime so that if they're coming back home during the summertime, if they're wanting to come and do something here at the University of Florida in the College of Veterinary Medicine, that we can give them those experiences. I like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, this is a consistent thing that needs to happen. People tend to think of diversity initiatives as, oh, I did my diversity homework for today and now we have no problems. But, you know, like you said, you're in your third year. This is something continual. You know how in the case story of, you know, the twins you mentioned, how their mom keeps in contact with you to keep this exposure, to keep this relationship. And it's not a quick fix here at UF and, you know, that you all have interventions in the veterinary medicine in every stage of the pipeline, you know, just to attack it from all fronts. So can you talk about like why it's so important to have that sort of consistency with this kind of issue? Well, I think it's, you know, again, I talked about the fact that, you know, there's so much attraction and and others or distractions, let me say, Mm -hmm. where people are talking about, well, you know, why aren't you going into medicine or why aren't you going into some other area? We want to continue that excitement. These individuals are interested in veterinary medicine. You have to continue to engage them in this particular field and and develop them in that particular area. And so for me, um, reaching out is is a way of doing that, you know. And so, you know, I am going to continue to reach out to them, continue to excite them about veterinary medicine, continue to make allow them to have the connections that they need. If they want to talk to somebody who's a surgeon and that's what they're interested in. I know one of the young ladies, she's interested in, in, in surgery. And so we made a connection with her and one of the surgeons that is here. Um, and, you know, he's extremely excited. He, he continues to communicate um, with her. And so I think those are things that are, 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 are what we are here to do. And I think that's, that's also about the the mission when we talk about diversity and 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 inclusion and equity here at the university it's not just about you know uh me being that one person you know one person can't really do it for for a college or do it for the university to be honest with you what i recognized during this period of time is that everyone has stepped up to the plate everyone wants to learn everyone wants to to help and so Um, I have found that faculty and staff and students have continued to reach out to me and say, how do I do this? I'm I'm doing this. I need some assistance in this area. I love it. I mean, this is 
this is this is what makes it a great community to be honest with you mm-hmm. um and so i am i'm so excited about how we're moving i mean it is so much growth um that i've seen in the past 3 years that um i'm overwhelmed um with um um with work but at the same time i'm happy because there's nothing more exciting than doing the work that you love doing and also working with people who who get it or mm-hmm. who want to get it because there's something about trying to change the mind of somebody who doesn't want their mind changed yep yeah. and and i was going to interject i think it sounds like a lot of your role is really kind of dispelling the myths that people have around what it means to practice medicine in veterinary settings, right? And so when I think of becoming a medical doctor, I might be thinking I'm going to become a surgeon or I might become a family practitioner. And those are very different jobs with very different salaries. (laughs) And so I feel like part of your job is the same thing where it's like, depending on what you choose within veterinary medicine, you could be a surgeon or you could be doing that kind of day-to-day type of family type practice where you have like a, a you're like a local doctor for small animals and and then anything in between right like you could be an exotic animal doctor you could be working with dentistry you could be working with their eyes i mean like there's all these different specializations but when i tell somebody that i'm a veterinarian what does your mind automatically go to? It's the person down the street that you take your pet to. And so your job is really just kind of unpacking all of the opportunity that's there and the richness that exists in the discipline. That's absolutely right. And 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 for me, that's, that's very, very important. And it's also breaking down barriers, mm-hmm. you know, and so understanding what are the barriers that, that are out there. So when we talk about the barriers, we're saying, you know, I can put all the pipe, I can, I can get everyone enthused about going into veterinary medicine, but not only do you have to develop that pipeline, you also have to break down the barriers. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about admissions, what are some of the barriers that might be there that might impact, you know, or have an impact on um, diversity within the classroom? What are the barriers that exist in reference to students going into internships and residencies? Mm-hmm. What are the barriers that exist in in allowing people from diverse backgrounds uh, to become faculty members in the College of Veterinary Medicine? And those are the questions that now they're starting to ask. Mm-hmm. Can we, can you review this um, this job description. Can you review our residency program and and what we're sending out there so that we can make sure that we don't have any item that's in here that can be a barrier, you know, because, you know, it was interesting when I was an undergraduate and we won't talk about how long ago that was, (laughs) but it's amazing that back then Johns Hopkins had decided that we would just not accept just 4.0 students any longer. And 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 they and they made that statement in, in reference to medical school because they said we're not going to just accept 4.0 only students. These students had to have some type of experience. They had to be involved in student. You know, they, they had to be involved as students because they also realized that these would be the individuals that had to work with patients. 
And you could have all of the, you know, knowledge you that that uh, one can provide. You can have everything up there in the brain that, you know, um, they can provide to you. But you still might not have the skills to work with people. Yeah, it's so true. You know? It's so true. And, and, and in veterinary medicine, that's important because a dog or a cat can't tell you what's wrong with them. <laughs> Very true. I mean, they kind of can. <laughs> if you touch them on the wrong, if, uh, uh, where they hurt, yeah, they're going yeah, to respond yeah. to you. But sometimes it's about behavior. Mm. And what and when somebody brings their animal in, you might say, well, tell me a little bit about it. Well, they haven't been eaten in the last three days. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what did you notice, mm-hmm. you know, those types yep. of things, you know, about, you know, when you take them for a walk and they and 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 uh, they go to the bathroom. I'm just going to be honest with you. Did you notice anything different? That's that's very, very critical information for the veterinarian to know, mm-hmm. because that helps um, her or him to make decisions, mm-hmm. you know, that might be um in the best interest of the animal. You're, and so you're really attacking the problem from inside of the classroom and outside of the classroom. And and that's an amazing thing that, you know, it requires both this kind of introspective approach and this also like practical out there in the field, boots on the ground approach to address the barriers that exist within veterinary medicine. Yeah. And speaking of the barriers, so I have a very naive question. So um, in engineering, you know, we also face similar demographic and representation issues. And we have, you know, like engineering education and different subfield education to study, you know, why we have these disparities. Is there like a medicine education, you know, scholarly body of work where people study, you know, what are the barriers to students enrolling in these programs? So there is a journal in, uh, that deals with veterinary medical education. Oh, wow. And probably one that deals with medical education as well. I'm familiar with the one that deals with veterinary medical education. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a variety of people who do research in, in that particular area. A lot of them are um, doing some great work in that area. Um, and a lot more recently, it's centered around diversity, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion in that particular area. But the education part is is, is key. You know, the classroom um, setting, how you learn, how students learn in the classroom, you know, is extremely important. And so I think that as we're talking about even admissions, you know, UF, this, you know, over the last couple of years has taken the GRE, mm-hmm. you know, and, and removed it from admissions. And so because we've learned that it's not an important indicator of how what, what makes a student a successful student in, in the field of veterinary medicine. Imagine that. That's a barrier. We all know that that's a barrier for just getting into college with the SAT and right. ACT. Yeah. So I know that different colleges have made it optional yeah. over the last few years. And I think that that's a great move because we do know that it is something that is a barrier to underrepresented students who are applying to our programs. Side note, 
my dog Gracie has now entered the closet and her tail is wagging. Oh, there oh, it is. There you okay. go, Gracie. She's taking down the closet. She's, she's not small. And this closet is not big. You set the foundation for some really good work over the years. So for you, if you were to think, you know, like 10 or 20 years into the future, like what would you love to see all of this work, these efforts? What would you like to see like the fruit of this look like? I would like to see a class that's reflective of the state of Florida. Um, I would like to see faculty um, that is a a lot more diverse than it is at this particular time, Um, you know, um, and, and moving towards it being reflective of the state of Florida. I'd like it to be reflective of the state of Florida in, in, in 10 years, but I do understand that, you know, the pipeline is just not there at this time, but if we can have the students there, then we know that the pipeline is moving in the right direction. You know, so I think those are, are are critical. I would like to see more programs out there for students in this community and across the state, because we are the only vet school in the in the state of Florida. And so I think that we have an obligation as a land grant institution and as the vet school in the in the state of Florida to ensure that we are reaching out and 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 educating the community as a whole about the field of veterinary medicine. Everyone does a great job of, of, of um, you know, educating people about their 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 profession. Law has just done it. I mean, the TV shows, right. <laughs> although, I mean, it's just amazing in reference to that. Medicine has done a very good job of it. Um, even uh, in veterinary medicine, you tend to learn about animals through, you know, science or nature or animal planet. Um, and there are now more vet shows that are showing up on Animal Planet. Um, there are fortunately two shows that um, have black veterinarians and strange enough, black male veterinarians, wow. because to be honest with you, males in the field of veterinary medicine are are very low going in at this particular time. Now, it's still not overwhelmingly it's not as as big an overall issue, but that's just because you have a large number of people who they were at the beginning, meaning mm-hmm. they were a large population at the beginning of the veterinary profession. And so some are still, you know, there from the early stages of, of the field of veterinary medicine. But currently, um, you're probably having somewhere in the area of about 70 percent of most classes across the country being women. What are some of the challenges of getting young African-American students interested in the field of veterinary medicine? Remember I talked about barriers? Mm -hmm. One of the barriers is having experience. Mm -hmm. And you have to have experience in order to get into vet school. And you have to have letters of recommendation. So in most cases, you have to have two letters of recommendation from a veterinarian. Well, imagine somebody coming from a community or background where, like I said, you live on the east side of Gainesville. You're going to high school on the east side of Gainesville. You don't know anybody that's a veterinarian, but you want to be a veterinarian. You know you want to be a veterinarian. You've always known you wanted to be a veterinarian. You're taking all the necessary courses. You're you're doing well in your STEM classes. You come to college. You go to college and you're doing all, you're taking all the necessary prerequisite courses for veterinary school. But you got to go out there and you got to get experience. So you walk into the local veterinary hospitals and you you say, hey, I would like to have some experience there. Well, 
remember, you're competing against everybody else who wants to be a veterinarian and who wants to go to vet school and, and get experience. And if you don't have the experience of how do I go about doing that? You know, it's, it's remember how we talk about mentors and why mentors are so important. Same concept. How do I go in there and say, I'm interested in, you know, working at a veterinary hospital, you know, and, and then a lot of times they want you to work 10 to 20 hours, you know? Um, and so if you're having the ability to work 10, 10 hours or 20 hours, well, what if you're somebody from a, a low socioeconomic community and you got a job as well? You know, when do you find the time? Those are some things that are out there that have to be balanced, you know, in reference to that. And so having those experiences are so key, but how do you have that? And so one of the things that I have is another program that's called Vet Smart program for undergraduate students. And so for undergraduate students, I want them to be able to reach out to me and make the connection starting during their freshman year, or if they're a transfer student, when they transfer, so that we can begin to make the necessary connections. So why is it important for students to get connected early? I think it's one important that they know other students that are in their classes that are interested in veterinary medicine, so that they can, when they're taking those, what I call those uh, weed out courses, chemistry, mm-hmm. organic chemistry, calculus, et cetera. When they're taking those courses, there's a cohort of them that they can study with, that they can help and, and that they can help each other as they go through those courses. But in addition to that, to be able to make those necessary connections with the various um, veterinary hospitals so that they can get experience at those veterinary hospitals. Sometimes somebody needs to knock on that door and say, hey, let me introduce you to this student who needs some experiences and and um, would you be willing to allow that to happen? Or at the at the hospital, if there are opportunities at the hospital, being able to say to them, we, ha- we have some opportunities at the hospital. Some of them are for pay. You know, I need you to make sure you get your application in, <laughs> you know, because this will be a job that you'll have and make your money while at the same time giving you those experiences, you know, and making sure that you make the best of that because that's whoever you're working for, that's going to be one of those letters of recommendation that you're going to need. Yeah. I think it's so important too. like, this is an entry point for allies. If people are like, you know, I'm really passionate about this issue, but I don't know how I can help, you know, if you're at a hospital or have access to this, making sure that these opportunities are out there for students to know, hey, you can come and get this experience that you may or may not know that you need to get to that next step. So sometimes you have to kind of lead students down the path that they need to go in, you know, and, you know, some students are very headstrong and will go, but sometimes if you just make things open and say, hey, this is where you're trying to go. This is a step on the way. This is available to you. Like this is definitely a, you know, a huge opportunity for allies to be able to step in and help. Yeah. And I think that the other thing is that sometimes it's, it's good to have a conversation because you also have to know that you need to open the, the net because mm-hmm. the reality is, what is necessary for UF may not be the same thing that's necessary for Tuskegee, may not be the same thing that's necessary for the University of Georgia, may not be the same thing that's necessary for um, Washington State University. So, you know, understand that when we're talking about these prerequisite courses, you know, make, make sure that you're taking a, the, the courses that you need so that when you apply to these schools that you're that you meet the eligibility. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I want you here at UF. I want you to hear that right now. I want you here at UF. <laughs> yes. But if you don't get accepted to UF, 
do you have alternatives that mm. are out there? And I think that's extremely important because if I can't get you now, maybe I can get you into a residency program. Mm-hmm. Or on our you faculty. Or, yep. or, and then on our faculty. That's absolutely right. Or an externship where you can come here and you can do a rotation here and, and, and spend some time at, at, our, at our hospital and meet some faculty here so that when you apply for the internship or residency, they already know you. Dr. Bowie, it was so great talking with you about all of the challenges and I guess, innovative things that you're doing in the College of Medicine to address those challenges. So we really appreciate you sharing that with us today. I love your story. I love like all the stuff you work on. Like when you mentioned that, you know, it's it's a lot to do and it's time consuming. But when you're doing what, you're lo- what you love, you know, that makes it so much easier to make those sacrifices. Yes, it, it does. It is. Um, it's a love, a love of life, to be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> This is Unstoppable Minds, a podcast out of the University of Florida. I'm Dr. Kyla McMullen. And I'm Dr. Jeremy Waysom. Thanks for joining us. Unstoppable Minds is a University of Florida podcast. Season two was produced, developed, and edited by Emily Cardinale and Patricia Vernon, with many thanks to Matthew Abramson and James Sullivan from WUFT. We would also like to thank the UF Office of Strategic Communications and Marketing video team, Brianne Leanne, Wise Clairvoyant, and Brian Sandusky. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more information about our show and the awesome students, faculty, and staff at the University of Florida by visiting our website at ufl.edu slash unstoppable minds. Until next time, go Gators!